Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading researchers, authors, and clinicians discussing issues in attachment theory. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. Today, Karen welcomes Kim Fagan Hansel, editor of Fostering Families Today, to the show for part one of their conversation on the journalistic view of foster and adoption. Part two will be released on June 21st. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I am Karen Doyle Buckwalter, your host, joining you from the Knowledge Center at Chaddock for another episode. So let me tell you a bit about our guest today. Our guest is Kim Fagan Hansel, and she is a managing editor of The Imprint and also Fostering Families Today. And we're going to talk a bit more about uh, The Imprint and what that is. Um, And she is a journalist, writer, and is going to be bringing us, you know, a bigger, broader perspective of attachment, adoption, child welfare um, through her years of writing on these topics. Kim was also in 2014 honored with the Angels in Adoption Award from the Congressional Coalition on Adoption Institute. That same year, Fostering Families Today magazine uh, received the Adoption Excellence Award from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Kim has a bachelor's degree in English and journalism, and prior to her work covering child welfare issues, she worked for the Longmont Daily Times call in Colorado as a special sections editor. Today, Kim resides in Wyoming, and I love seeing pictures she posts from there with her husband and two children when she's not writing, editing, and focusing on the important work that she contributes to. She's busy chauffeuring kids and empowering preteens as a Girl Scout leader. So stay tuned and I will be coming right up with my interview with Kim Fagan Hansel. Supporting children and families who have experienced great loss and endured extreme trauma is a daunting task. At Chaddock, we have the experience and longevity to understand the type of support needed to keep the best and brightest engaged with this work. This July, the Knowledge Center at Chaddock launches the Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute for helpers who seek to be rejuvenated and revitalized in their work with children and families. This type of renewal and confidence is a natural byproduct of gaining specialized knowledge, advanced skills, consultation, guidance, mentorship, and most importantly, being in a community providing the experience of being seen and understood. We have designed an experience in a soft place to land where all of these needs will be met in one central place. For more information on the Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute or to sign up, visit tkcchaddock.org. Hello, everyone. I am now here as promised with Kim Fagan Hansel. Kim, thank you so much for joining us today on the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. Yes, you know, and I want to share something as we start out. Of course, you know, the podcast will take a while to release, but 
I think that this will be relevant whenever it releases. And one of the things with what is happening in the world right now is I become so aware of the importance of journalism in the free press. And, you know, that made me even more excited to have somebody like you as a guest, because I think that, you know, number one, we're seeing in the world in in really incredible ways how important the free press is and, you know, watching people endanger their lives, giving us information about what's going on in Europe. And but then there's also just the macro look at issues that I was excited for you to bring. You know, many of our listeners are therapists, you know, some are parents, but a large portion are therapists. And we're looking at such like specific slivers of the pie. (laughs) And so I'm excited for, for what you bring. Um, So just, could you share with listeners how you got involved with uh, previously uh, work writing for adoption today, and then also uh, currently foster families today back uh, all the way back in 2002, right? Um, yeah, I think I started in like January, 2001. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a long road, a little over 20 years. Um, but I had gone to school to be a journalist and was working at a daily newspaper in Colorado and writing really boring real estate stories and thought <laughs> I really want to do something more with my like this isn't and- what I imagined when I got my yeah. degree. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't amazing. So I started looking for a job and uh, amazingly Richard Fisher called me back and he was the founder of adoption today and fostering families today. And he had started adoption today after adopting two daughters from China and had come home and had some real struggles with trying to find medical support and resources, um, for his girls and thought, he would start a publication that would talk about the real side of adoption, not Mm -hmm. the, you know, it's all sunshine and flowers and rainbows and everyone lives happily ever after. Mm -hmm. But the reality of that, sometimes there's some hard things that you have to deal with. And so that was, um, you know, where he founded the publication and the other side of that he felt was really important which I've carried forward is the voices of the people who've lived the experience. So he went right out to find Korean adoptees because they were pretty much, you know, the beginning of intercountry adoption. They were all kind of in their twenties. So getting out into the world and finding their voices. And so he got them to write the reflections column from um, the very beginning of adoption today. And uh, so that was a really amazing column. And then a couple years after starting adoption today, he 
he was talking to somebody about how there were just really no resources for foster parents. And somebody mm-hmm. said, well, you ought to think about doing a, a publication for foster parents as well. So he started fostering families today and the same kind of concept, you know, just telling the real story of what the families are going to face when they say yes to fostering, getting the voices of the young people who've lived the system uh, included in the publication, because I think it's, you know, we learn most from those who've had the experiences and we should honor their voices and learn and grow. So always thankful for those who have shared. There's been some amazing um, Korean adoptees, Chinese adoptees, um, youth from foster care I've worked with over the years. And I just really honor their voices and value what they have to share. Yeah. So Kim, I think too, um, at that time, that long ago, and it's still a problem today, but I don't think that the voices of those who have been adopted themselves were being elevated in that way. So that was pretty groundbreaking, I think, for him to have, I mean, when you look at it now, it's like, well, duh, you know, those are the people that would know, you know, but at that time, and like, it, it, it's still a problem today. I think if you speak with adults, they really feel like their voice gets lost. It's like adoptive parents or professionals, and they've had to sort of claw their way to, 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 to get heard, you know, so that, that's, that's really interesting to me that he was thinking that way back then. Yeah, it was uh, pretty incredible. And, you know, I didn't have any experience myself in the adoption or foster care community. When I started, you know, I have a few relatives here or there that have been adopted, but nothing that we really dove into those conversations. So it was uh, really nice to listen to him um, and to gain that experience. Some of the first things that I did was I went to heritage camps in Colorado. Um, mm-hmm. If you're not familiar, those are camps that they host every summer around specific locations that the young people were adopted from. They have some domestic camps as well for those who are adopted domestically or through foster care. And the other was the con conference. So, and con was also kind of groundbreaking because it, it really did like the triad perspective and they've really grown and expanded uh, the voices of adoptees there too. I've heard, I've heard a lot about con from some um, people who uh, are adoptees from Korea who you know, I've spent a lot of time helping me become more educated about this. Um, and they bring up that conference and it feels like, wow, this is a force to be reckoned with. They're really doing like good things in the world around these issues. Yeah. For sure. So, so that's kind of how the magazines all came into, into being. Yeah. So you, you know, went from writing about real estate to, you know, going into these complex and emotionally laden uh, topics. And what were some of the things as you tumbled into this world that were surprising to you or shocking or, wow, I wouldn't have expected that. Were there some things like that that come to mind? 
Yeah, I think, and I still, it still happens uh, today, especially when I'm having an interview with someone who grew up in care. Sometimes this experiences they share, you're just like, what, you know, why, who, who would say those kinds of things to you? Why was that done to you? You know, I've always said that my work is done when I stop hearing about young people entering the foster care system as infants and exiting at 18. Like there has to be some reckoning in the system where we are getting these young people into families or reunifying them with their birth families or getting them some kind of permanency that doesn't make it so that they're exiting um, at 18. That's just not acceptable as far Mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. But yeah, Mm -hmm. so sometimes the things that they share are just really hard and it's really shocking to me um, the kind of things that sometimes foster and adoptive parents feel is okay to say to young people. And I'm not going to say that that's everyone because it's certainly not. There's a lot of really amazing uh, caregivers out there in the world. But sometimes when the young people share stuff, it's just like, it still hits me in the gut hard. Is there anything in particular that wouldn't betray someone's confidentiality or a theme that came up? Yeah, I think sometimes, um, you know, young people act out regardless of whether they're adopted or biological, you know, teenagers are fun. They say real fun stuff to us sometimes that, you know, it's kind of like twisting a knife for some people in there. (laughs) It just hurts. And so when you get hurt, then the hurt words come out. Um, And, you know, it's not understanding the lying, the stealing, the, you know, acting out behaviors and why those things are happening. And in those moments, I definitely have heard, you know, young people say that, that their caregivers have said things like, you're going to be just like your mom. You're exactly like that. You're going to be worthless. Mm-hmm. I've heard people, you know, adoptees um, who've been adopted overseas say that their parents have been like, get in the car. I'm going to take you back to the airport. You're going to go back, you know? And I think sometimes in those moments, we need to just close our mouths, take a deep breath, um, and just understand the trauma and where those young people are coming from in some of the acting out behaviors. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is sobering to hear. And, um, the amount of emotional impact that would have on somebody who has, already felt perhaps rejected or given away or, you know, gotten rid of, you know, really to, to make threats like that. Yeah. Wow. That's so, that's, that is very sad. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, you know, I just really hate it when I hear those things. Um, especially because I do think like now there's a lot more resources out there, a lot more training available to foster and adoptive parents. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, there can be a lot more preparation, a lot more understanding, a lot more discussion about trauma informed care. So, you know, in, 
we all, it's not easy to parent. I have two biological kids, you know, there's times that they say things that they don't mean in a moment of anger or whatever. Um, and we just have to learn how to not take it personally, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really important things that you're bringing up. And I think, you know, right this moment being on the attachment theory in action podcast, I think even issues of attachment have been really almost weaponized um, towards uh, children in foster care and children who are being adopted without the understanding that attachment is about two people coming together. Like it doesn't, it doesn't lie in just one person and the caregiver system matters as much as whatever the child's bringing. And um, so, yeah, there's just been a lot of even misunderstanding around that too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Kim, what are some trends or changes that you've noticed or been aware of since coming on board in 2001 and entering this whole world of foster care and adoption. What are some of the major trends that you've seen over the years? How have they shifted? Any Anything that comes to mind from that big picture perspective you would have? Yeah, I think we've seen just some really amazing people um, doing some amazing research. I think when I first started, there wasn't a lot out there. Yeah. So I don't think there was a deep understanding of the trauma impacts and those things that we're talking about. So I've done a lot of writing about some of those things over the years. And I think we were talking about them in terms of attachment and trauma, and now we're on like trauma-informed care. So sometimes there's buzzwords that we use, um, and those become the things that um, adoptive and foster parents really kind of lean into for a while. But I think it all comes down to understanding relationship and things like that and trying to just give them information about how to build those solid relationships with the young people who come into their homes and how to help them and really their biological families, uh, if the plan's reunification, which most of the time it is, just building those relationships um, so that they all can heal and grow and families can be strengthened. Yes. You know, I think that um, having been in this work for over 20 years as well as a clinician, I think that adoption is a specialty area for clinical work. It's not something that you just tack on and say, I do this now because I saw a few adopted kids and understanding foster care and the child welfare system is another specialty area. Again, it's not just an add-on, you know, like I'm this therapist. And so I see a few foster kids. I mean, there's a lot to really understand. And so that's why I use that phrase that, you know, just as if you think you have a specialty in working with people who are depressed, or if you have a specialty that you work with couples, or, I mean, these are specialty areas. I have sometimes felt frustrated when it seems like, you know, well, it's just an add-on, or, you know, I, I, I just, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I've seen a few kids with that issue, so now I get that. 
<laughs> yeah. <clears throat> For sure. And I, I mean, I think it's funny how much like the work I do, how it intersects with my life on a regular basis. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends who are teachers. They often work with kids who've experienced trauma. So um, we're often having conversations about, uh, you know, that attachment and trauma and the way that they can help the kids who are in their classrooms. And I think you, that's been a greater understanding is trauma-informed classrooms. And just all of those things are, have grown immensely in the last yes. 20 years. Yes. What about, uh, since our, we do have a f- heavy focus on attachment here, what have you noticed related to an understanding of attachment, you know, from when you started writing until now, um, what have you observed about that? Um, you know, I think the big thing is probably, and I think we've come a long ways, um, from closed adoptions. And I think an understanding that the relationship between biological families never ends. Yeah. Even if they don't have contact, those people who are adopted often still, think about, wonder about, want to know about their biological families. Um, I think that there's been a very big trend in um, just that understanding and the importance of kinship care and reunification. I think there was a time where we thought, get these kids away from their biological families. They're going to turn out just like them, you know, and that was a really negative thing. And I think there's a really big push nationally right now to try to prevent foster care in the first place, strengthen families, you know, help support them so that, because what we know about like foster care now Mm -hmm. is that it's really harmful for kids. We're making, you know, the system is moving kids to multiple homes. They're making decisions on behalf of children that actually harm them if they're not getting the first placement right. That is so, so true that that our solution that we have for these children is often re-traumatizing them further. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's why there's been a growing emphasis on kinship and I care. Put solution being... in air quotes here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's why the federal government's really pushing towards, you know, trying to avoid foster care in the first place. Because, and to be honest, it doesn't only impact foster care systems, but there's long-term impacts of homelessness, of incarceration, um, all of those things that are, you know, not positive that I think we're trying to, trying to move the dial uh, ahead of foster care so that people don't have to come into the system in the first place. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. 
you really have seen a lot <laughs> as we're talking about this. Um, well, Kim, this discussion has been so interesting so far, and just as I knew it would be. And I, listeners, I want to ask you to please join us again next week as we have part two of hearing from Kim Fagan Hansel about her experiences in reporting and journalism in foster care adoption and all of those trends. So join us next week. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchaddock.org, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for future episodes. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please visit tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.